Well, I'm assuming most of you know this already, but the fact is, it's almost 2015. Um, I I know we're still celebrating Christmas and and so on, but this Thursday we're going to turn calendars over and we are going to begin a new year. And what that means is that for many of us, uh, we'll do some things in the next few days. Part of what we'll do is we'll look back, right? We'll, We'll take a look back at 2014 and we'll ask ourselves, so what happened? What happened in my own personal life? What happened at work? What happened in our world? You, you think about different events. You think about different things. You think about births. You think about deaths. You think about marriages. What, we're going to kind of just do a year in review, I think, for many of us as we, as we look back at 2014. And one of the questions I, I hope you'll ask yourself, I think we probably do naturally, but one of the questions I hope you ask yourself as you look back at 2014 is this. Did I make a difference in 2014? Did I have an impact on anybody? Did I, did I shape anybody's lives? Did I, did I change anybody? The fact is, we, I think, kind of naturally ask that question because, because our God created us to make a difference. Our God created us to impact other people's lives. God didn't just create us to be uh, in one place. God didn't create us just to be served or to enjoy or to take. God created us to give. God created us to serve. God created us to make a difference. And so one of the things I want you to do as you evaluate the past years is just to kind of say, so did I touch a life this year? Did I make a difference? Did I challenge somebody, encourage somebody, strengthen somebody? Did, did I bring the presence of God into anybody's life, whether it's, it's my family or whether it's in my neighborhood or in my workplace? Did I, did I bring the presence of God anywhere? Did I make a difference? And, and, and I'd encourage you to do the same thing as, as we look ahead. You know, we'll be making plans and so on. But, but ask yourself this question, will you make a difference in 2015? Uh, again, I mean, I, I, we were created to do that. We were created to make a difference. And, and, and so as you think about your goals, you know, and we might set weight goals, we might set financial goals. As you think about those things that are, that are coming up that way, what if you say, you know what, I want, I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to bring the presence of God into my neighborhood in new ways. I want to bring the presence of God into my workplace. And, and, and because of that, because we were created with that desire, because we were created with that, that desire to have a, an impact, to make a difference, one of the wonderful things we celebrate about who God is is, is that our God is a God who uses us. We've been working our way, if you haven't been with us at all, we've been working our way through the book of Isaiah, and and we've been asking the question, what is God like? Isaiah says, I saw the Lord, and we've been looking at what God is like, and and this morning, we get to celebrate what I think is one of the best things, and that is that our God is a God who uses us, that our God is a God who works not just in us, but a God who works through us, who brings his light into the darkness through us. Now, we've been looking at a lot of different things, okay? Okay. We started the first week, eight weeks ago, Holy One, on the upper, uh, upper left there. And then we talked about God being Isaiah 5, the brokenhearted farmer. And then God is the judge. And then the lower left, God is the king. And then we said he's the shepherd. And we said he's a servant. And then last week, Daniel talked about him being a suffering servant. On, on, on Wednesday evening, afternoon, if you were here with us, we talked about God being Emmanuel, that, that mama bear who's going to come be with us, who, who wants to be with us. And then this morning we add in this one. He is the one who uses us. He is the one who works through us. In order to see this, I want to take a look at Isaiah chapter 49, okay? Isaiah chapter 49, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. If you have Bibles with you and you want to take that out, you can. Otherwise, I've got it up here on the screen. But I want to start actually on that last verse. I want to start with verse 6. Isaiah 49, verse 6. This is what Isaiah writes. The Lord said, so God is speaking through Isaiah. The Lord says... 
it is too small of a thing for you to be my servant. And I want to stop there, okay? I, I want to stop there because some of you were with us and some of you weren't. But I want to do a real quick cap on, recap on, on that word servant in Isaiah. Uh, one of the things we've talked about as we've worked our way through Isaiah is that this second part of Isaiah, Isaiah 40 to 66, is really different than the first part. In the first part, Isaiah 1 to 39, uh, Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel before they go into exile, okay? Before they go into, into exile, before they go to Babylon, and he's challenging them to repent and so on. But then in Isaiah 40, 66, he's, he's looking beyond that. He's looking to when they are in exile, and he brings God's word of comfort, and he brings God's words of promise, and, and one of the things we said is that in this section, Isaiah 40 to 66, Isaiah starts to use a term because he starts to see that, that, that there's one person who's going to be central to God's plans. He starts to see the Messiah. And, and, and one of the main titles he has for this is, is the servant of the Lord, okay? In Isaiah 40 to 66, he talks about the servant of the Lord. Now, there are other servants of the Lord, but in particular, we believe he's, he's talking about Jesus, Okay? He's talking about Jesus. And so we looked at Isaiah 42, and we said he has the heart of a servant, that he really is a servant. And then last week, again, Isaiah 53, Daniel talked about the suffering servant. And, and then today, the servant who was used by God. And, and so he's talking about Jesus, but amazingly, we're going to see he's also talking about us. All right, back to it. The Lord says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. All right, so what's going on here? Isaiah has this vision. He's in like 695 or whatever. He has this vision of the people of Israel being restored, okay? And, and so he sees this happening. He sees them first being taken away. That happens in 586. But he also sees them being restored. Now, there are two levels of fulfillment, okay? And, and this is all set up for, for what we'll get to, and it'll be worth getting there. But two levels of fulfillment here. There's, first of all, the, the actual physical fulfillment, okay? There's the, the restoration of Israel to the nation. Again, if you, if you were here with us, you know that in 586 B.C., Babylon came, and they, they conquered the nation of Judah, the people of Israel, and swallowed them up and brought them back, okay? That's 586. Now, what happens in 538, Persia has taken over Babylon, and don't worry about that too much, but we made them orange. But Persia has taken over Babylon, and, and Cyrus, who Isaiah calls a servant of the Lord, interesting, because he's a pagan king, but Cyrus, a servant of the Lord, says, you can go back home, and he sends the people back there. So there's a, a, a kind of a literal, physical fulfillment of, of this, these words, right? It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. That, that's one level of what's going on here, okay? But I think it's the, the smallest level because I think the second level is more important of what's happening here, and that is at the spiritual level. And, and there he's talking clearly about Jesus, that it's Jesus who is going to bring God's people back. It's Jesus who's going to restore Israel. It's Jesus who is going to forgive their sins. It's Jesus who's going to show them who God is. It's Jesus who's going to do that. And, and, and so there's a restoration, not just to the land, but a restoration to who God created them to be, all right? But look at this. It's fascinating. I don't have it circled, but God says it's too small a thing for you just to do that, okay? So, so what is God saying there? Think about this. God is saying, you know what? I'm going to have you come back, and, and, and I'm going to bring my people back to the land, and then I'm going to restore Israel. But I want more than that. I want, I want bigger than that. And then he says this. He says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. 
Okay, so, so God says to this servant, and, and at, the, at the primary level, it's Jesus, right? He says to the servant, you know what? I'm not going to have you just restore Israel. My eye is on all of creation. My eye is to the ends of the earth. I want to bring salvation to everybody. And so not only are you going to restore people, but you are going to be a light to the world. A- and that's Jesus, right? But here's where it's cool. And here's where we get into being used by God. Okay, this is really where I want to get to. Because what I think we need to recognize is that servant is not just Jesus, that servant is us. Because one of the most amazing things Jesus says to us in light of this, that you know, God says to him, and, and it's kind of cool, here in the Old Testament we have the Father talking to the Son, right? So the Lord says to him, I will make you a light to the Gentiles. And then Jesus says to us in Matthew 5 verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. It's through you that I am going to bring light into the darkness. It's through you. God, Jesus is the servant, but now we are the servants of the servant. Right? We are now the servants of the servant. And Jesus says, you know what? My father said to me that I am the light of the world, and he is. He says, I'm telling you, you are the light of the world. And it's through you that I'm going to bring light into the darkness. It's through you that salvation is going to come to the ends of the earth. The apostle Paul recognized this. Acts 13 verse 47 says, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. Paul is speaking here, and and he's saying, look, we've got to preach. (laughs) We've got to love in Jesus' name. We've got to serve in Jesus' name. We've got to do this, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. And he quotes Isaiah 49 verse 6. And he says, I have made you. And he's saying, God has made us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so Isaiah 49, it sees at one level kind of Cyrus letting the people go back to Judah. At a deeper level, it's Jesus restoring the people. At a deeper level, it's Jesus being the light of the world. But at its level for us, it's us being the light of the world. Isaiah sees us being the light of the world. And, and, and when you think about it, that's what the early church was all about. Now we got the Roman Empire um, we skipped over the Greeks. I don't know what color they would have been. But anyway, you know, and, 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 and there's Judah, and there's people coming to, to Christ there. But then from there, the light of the world goes out, and it spreads out. And by 100 A.D., it's throughout the entire Roman Empire, okay? The word about Jesus Christ has spread throughout the entire Roman Empire, and God is still doing that. We are still those yellow arrows today, okay? That's why I say our God is a God who uses us. Our God is a God who uses us. And, and what I want us to recognize is that you can have an impact in 2015, not just on somebody for today, but on somebody for all of eternity. That when you bring the presence of Jesus Christ, when you do that through a word, through a deed, through an act of kindness, whatever it is, but when you simply are the presence of Christ in your workplace, when you are the presence of Christ in your neighborhood, when you do that, you are lighting a candle in the darkness. And you are bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. And you are part of God expanding that. And you are part of what Isaiah saw in Isaiah 49. Our God is a God who uses us. And the question I want to ask with the time that we have left is this. How? How how does this work? How does God use us? If I say, I want to make a difference in 2015. I want to be used by God in the coming year. How does God use it? How can I be a light in the darkness? And this is where I want to go back to the first part of chapter 49, okay? The first part, because the servant, and I think in this case primarily Jesus, is saying, look, this is how God prepared me. This is what God did for me. Now, then he called me to go be a light in the darkness. And and I suggest that what happened to that servant happens to us as servants of the Lord as well. So how does God use us? I want to talk about four things. 
that happened to the original servant in Isaiah 49 that happened to Jesus and that I think happened to us, okay? Four things. And, and if you will just allow yourself to, to recognize that God is this way, that God uses us. It's, it is so cool to think about this going into the new year. First thing, he calls each one of us. He calls each one of us. And I want you to make that very personal. I want you to say, you know what, God has called you, Tom, to a specific thing. God has called you whoever. And, and, and God has given you a task. And I want to suggest that it's very specific in the sense that God has given each of us tasks that nobody else can do. God has gifted each of us in certain ways that there are some things we can do that nobody else can do. God calls each and every one of us. Isaiah 49, verse 1. Isaiah 49, verse 1. This is spoken by the servant of the Lord. So again, kind of cool here. We got Jesus and the Father talking to each other, all right? Uh, But first, Jesus talks to the world. He's spoken by the servant of the Lord. Listen to me, you islands, the ends of the earth. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. God is going to use me, and God called me from before I was born. God called me from, from, from when I was in my mother's womb. God had a plan for me. God had a purpose for me. Now, if you are like me, one of your first thoughts is going to be, okay, that's true for Jesus, but is it true for me? <laughs> I mean, that might be true for Isaiah. It's, is it true for me? It might be true for Jeremiah. And, and maybe you'll even sit there and say, okay, well, Ron, I see God had a calling for you because you can talk about when God called you into ministry and other people. So, but what about me? I am just doing this. I'm working, you know, at my normal job and I'm not in ministry and so I've never been called. No, what's really cool is, is that God has called each and every one of us. And, and, and God calls each and every one of us to do whatever he calls us to do. But it is like I say, I want to suggest it's unique to each and every one of us. And, and here, look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, Paul says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is talking to each and every one of us there. And he is saying that God has called us to be his light. God has called us to do good works. God has called us to bring his light into the darkness. And for each and every one of us, he prepared those things in advance. It is so cool to think about that. Uh, One of the things that's been just most fun for me, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, but one of the things that's most fun for me over the last 25 plus years as I've been serving in this church is, is watching you all and watching you sometimes discover the gifts and the opportunities that God has given to you. And, and to see some of you who say, yeah, I couldn't do that. And then you step in and you say, wow, God can do this through me. And, and, and just to watch and, and, and to say, you know, we need somebody who can do this. And, and, and God brings somebody out. We're going to meet tomorrow morning and, oh, please, let's pray about this whole process. But we're going to meet tomorrow, well, Tuesday morning, we're going to start to meet with some folks to talk about possible building stuff please pray. But you know, I mean, it's such a, but when I sit down with people who know that stuff, I'm just like, wow, that is so cool. Because I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how it all works. I don't know why you, you know, all load bearing well, but I'll tell you, you know, and, 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 and so those people, God has given them those gifts, maybe for just such a moment as this. God has called them to this just so that they can, you know, and and God has given you things that only you can do. God is going to put you in places that I can never get to. You know, the fact is, I I love being a minister. I I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I love the opportunities that it gives me, but there are some places where it really limits me. 
There are places you can get that I can't get. There are things people will say to you that they will not say to me. Because once they find out I'm a minister, then they're supposed to talk a certain way and they, they're supposed to pretend that they have certain realities in their lives. And you get opportunities that I never will. And, and, and so just think about that. In 2015, God has prepared in advance things for you to do. You are called. God has called you to impact lives. There are candles that need to be lit. There is darkness that needs to be just penetrated with the light of Jesus Christ. And, and so that's the first thing, that he calls each one of us. Second thing that, that God does for the servant, he does for us, is, is he prepares us. He prepares us. God doesn't prepare us and then call us. First he calls us and then he prepares us. Then he does what needs to be done. Look at verse 2. It's all about preparation. He made my mouth. Again, this is the servant, Jesus speaking. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. These are all preparation statements, right? This is what God did for me before he called me into service. This is what God did to me before he called me to penetrate the darkness, before he called me to to be used by him. And and, and so I want to think about that for just a couple of minutes here, saying that God is preparing us. Now, I want to be a little careful here because I don't want us to say, well, I must be in a season of preparation. I don't have to do anything. No. No, we are called to, and God can use us wherever we are. But we also have to recognize that God is continually preparing us. Three ways that God is preparing us. He's first of all preparing us by his word. By his word. And here I'm thinking of those words in, in, in Isaiah 49 verse 2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. That, a, a mouth like a sharpened sword is the word of God, right? The word of God is, is a, a double-edged sword that cuts through. And, and it's often pictured as, as that. And, and, and so we see Jesus having the word of God on his lips. And the only way he can do that is to be shaped by the word of God. That, that Jesus himself was shaped by the word of God. And, and we are called to be shaped by the word of God. That's why I think there's value in coming to church and studying God's word. That's why there's value in being a part of a small group or doing your own personal devotions or doing any of that kind of stuff. Because one of the ways God shapes us is God shapes us by his word. And, and I think it's interesting to think about Jesus being shaped right? I mean, I I think so often we we just kind of say, well, Jesus must have been born full-blown, right? He was God himself. He's God in the flesh. But, you know, when Jesus was a baby, it's not like he was like, oh, you people don't understand. I'm the son of God. And he, no, he he was a baby. And and, and I think think when Jesus was growing up, I think he had to memorize scripture. I I think sometimes we look at it and we say, you know, when Jesus was in kindergarten or whatever, and and the teacher said, let's all memorize John 3.16, you know, or, well, I guess, they wouldn't have done that yet since it hadn't been written. Okay, let's all memorize Isaiah 53. Uh, sorry. Um, Jesus didn't say, ah, memorize it, I wrote it. No, Jesus, I think, had to memorize it. I, 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 Luke tells us that he grew in wisdom and stature. Hebrews tells us that he learned obedience Jesus was shaped as he memorized God's word so that he could speak God's word, so that it could be God's word. And, and so too, so too, we are called to be shaped by God's word. And, and, and so just find the ways to do that, to, to hear God's word, to listen to God's word, to sing God's word, so that God's word more and more can shape us. Second way that, that God prepares us is by polishing away the rough spots. But by cleaning up those rough spots, and here I'm thinking of those words in in verse 2 where he says, he made me into a polished arrow. 
Now, again, Jesus never sinned, so he didn't have those kind of rough spots. But I picture it, and I think about it, and I think, you know what? God is, is promising not just to use me, but, but he's going to clean me up. He's going to polish those things away. Uh, some of you, I, I guess, probably make arrows. In, in Isaiah's day, everybody would have made arrows. But uh, again, if you start, an arrow would look like this, right? It's going to have knots. It's going to have different places. It's going it's, it's to be as straight as you can make it, but it's not going to be perfectly straight. And, and, and so if you are going to make an arrow perfect, you've got to spend a lot of time cleaning it up, cutting away the broken parts, po- cutting away the, the, the shoots, cutting away all that, polishing it down until finally you get something that is smooth and, 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 and just slick and able to shoot right where it's supposed to go. And, and now just stop and think about that, that, that. That's what God is doing in your life. It's not necessarily fun to be polished, right? It's not necessarily fun to have some of those things cut away. But each and every one of us, whether we're 15 or 55 or 75, God is still polishing us. Now, again, he can use us in the meantime. But, but part of what's happening, and, and maybe some of what you look back on 2014, maybe some of what you say is, you know what, I think God was polishing me there. I think God was bringing me through this experience so that I could know what it is to be able to better bring candles into the darkness, to know what it is to be his light, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth that God is shaping us, he's polishing us, he's giving us different experiences. Um, You know, I I didn't ask John, but I've asked him before. One of the things, John D. Jagger, you know, is a missionary from our church, and he's gone all over the world, and I remember John telling me once that he was in Russia uh, with a group of folks, I think it was Russia, he'll tell me later if I'm right or not, but but somebody died. And so, uh, now John hadn't been to seminary, he's an educator. Somebody died, and they said, well, John, you're going to do the funeral. And, and it's like, what? I can't do a funeral. I'm not trained. I haven't. And, and as he sat there, he realized, you know what? God has given me so many experiences. And he could just do that because God had been shaping him. God has been molding him. God had been bringing him through all of that. And, and I think it's so cool that I think in heaven, one of the funnest things is going to be able to look back and say, okay, God, you gave me this experience and it taught me this so that 10 years later when somebody went through this difficult experience, I was ready to bring your presence into their lives. And, and, and you did this and then I was re- ready to do this over here. And I think in heaven, we're gonna see just all these occasions where God has, has shaped us and molded us through experiences and so on. So that when the moment happens, when the moment is right, then we're ready to step up and, and do those things. And we realize it was because God has been polishing us through the whole thing, all right? So he polishes away the rough spots. He, he shapes us by his word, by polishing away the rough spots, and then by waiting for the right time. By waiting for the right time, okay? Uh, again, he says this, In the shadow of his hand, he hid me, he concealed me in his quiver, okay? So you get the picture that God has polished up this arrow, and then he says, you know what? At the right moment. I'm going to bring it out. Again, think about this. Isaiah's writing these words in 695. It's not till, uh, well, year zero, or really like three years before that, that Jesus is born. It's almost 700 years later. It's over 700 years later that the Apostle Paul writes these words in Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God's timing is the right time. And he will use us when it's the right time. Sometimes the situation isn't right. Sometimes we are not right. Sometimes whatever it is. But, but, but you know what? When it's the right time, God will use us. 
And, and, and God is a God who waits for the right time. God is a God who, who hides us in the shadow of his hand until it's that right time for us to be used by him. Again, it doesn't mean we don't make ourselves available in the meantime. But I think about those of you and those of us who pray for family members, close friends who don't know Christ. And I think, God, change their hearts. God, use me. God, and for some of us, we've been praying that for years, and we're still saying, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But in his time, in the right time, when it is exactly the right time, he will use what he wants to use. And it's really hard to wait. It's really hard to wait. But again, it was 700 years from Isaiah to the birth of Jesus. 700 years. You think of Moses, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert, and then God uses him. It's God's timing. And sometimes God is preparing us just by telling us to wait. And and, and so God prepares us. He calls us. He prepares us. Third thing he does is he strengthens us. He strengthens us. Verse 4 says this, but I, again, it's the servant speaking, but I, the servant, and and, and you can... can, (laughs) I, I, the servant said, and you can hear, hear the frustration and, the, and the, just the, the struggle. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. And again, it's fascinating to think of Jesus saying those words. But I think there were times when he was that discouraged. I think there were times when he just felt like, you know what? Why did I do this? Nobody listens. Doesn't make any difference. Nobody cares. I tell you this, if you want to be used by God, you will feel this way sometimes. The servant says, yet what is due to me is in the Lord's hand. I will trust him on this, okay? Yet what is, sorry, what is due to me is in the Lord's hands, uh, and my reward is with my God, all right? And and so he says, I will trust God. And then he goes on to say, and now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. Before he speaks, he says, you know what? This is who God is. He formed me. He he called me. and, 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 And I'm honored in his sight. And then these words, and my God has been my strength. That, that the servant needs to constantly remember that. The fact is, if you decide that you want to be used by God in 2015, there are times when you will be tired. There are times, any of you who have served in leadership here, any of you who have tried to work with kids, any of you who have been parents, any of you, there are times when you just say, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. But the good news for us this morning is this, is that God strengthens us. My God has been my strength. God gives us strength. When we are in those difficult places, when we say, God, I have been trying over and over again, God is our strength. All right, so he calls us, he prepares us, he strengthens us, and then he shines his light through us. This is back now to verse 6. The Lord says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And that image of, of being a light is so clear in the New Testament. I mean, Susie read it, that the, the, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And, and John goes on to explain that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world, and the light came into the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. But that's what our calling is, is to allow ourselves to be candles in the darkness. God shines his light through us. And and again, I want to be really clear about something. When we think about this, it's rarely rarely that God shines his light through us, I think, in big-time events. As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? I don't think... 
in, in a sense, when I preach, I don't feel like I'm shining light into the darkness. I feel like what I'm trying to do when I preach to most of you, I mean, there are sometimes people where it's that situation, but for most of you, what I'm trying to do is to say, keep your candles going. My calling, I think, is to help you keep your candles lit, and you're the ones who get to God and bring it into the darkness. And, 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 and so you do that in a number of ways. God shines his light through you. I think what happens most often is through quiet deeds of kindness. I, th- I think most often God's presence comes first through quiet deeds of kindness where God's presence is brought into that. When you bring a meal to a neighbor, when you shovel your neighbor's walk, when, when you speak a gentle word of grace to somebody, in all of those ways, you're lighting a candle in the darkness when you're caring for the weak, when you're doing things like that. And, 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 and I think when we feel like nobody else is noticing, when we do these things, God is lighting candles in a dark world. And, and, and that's really what I want you to be thinking about as you go into the new year. The, the fact that we live in a dark world, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of brokenness out there. There's a lot of hurting people. There are hurting people in our families. There are hurting people living in the darkness in our neighborhoods. There are hurting people living around the world in the darkness. And what God calls us to do is to light a candle. And, and in some ways, like I say, I mean, I, here I don't feel like I'm necessarily lighting your candles as much as helping them stay lit. For those of you who don't know Christ, I pray that I light your candle here. But, but the fact is, here we have a lot of light. I'm not saying we're all perfect or anything. But when we go into that workplace, there can be a lot of darkness. And, and one of the things that's really cool for me to think about, just think about this. If I had a candle and I lit it here, you'd hardly notice it. But if we turned out all the lights, it'd be really bright. And, and, and so the darker it is, the brighter a candle shines. And, and that's why on the one hand, I don't ask that our world gets worse in 2015. But I do know this. If our world more and more turns away from God, our lights will shine brighter and brighter. In the darkness, the candle stands out. And so God uses us, all right? He prepares us, he calls us, he prepares us, he strengthens us, he shines his light through us. And as we close, I just ask this, t- this question about it. In 2015, will I allow God to light candles in the darkness with my life? Will I say, God, I just want to bring the presence of Jesus into my workplace. I want to bring the presence of Jesus into my neighborhood. I want to bring the presence of Jesus wherever I go. So God, will you light candles through me? Will you light candles for me when I'm going and mentoring a kid at Townline? Will you light a candle in me when I'm helping somebody with a financial need? Will you, will you light a candle in me when I'm shoveling the walk of my neighbor whose ornery is all get out? God, will you light a candle through me? Our God is a God who uses us. Let's pray together. Father, we, we were created to make a difference. And some of us feel like we don't make much of a difference. Some of us feel like we don't burn brightly enough for anybody else to notice. And so we pray right now, Lord, that you will remind us that you have called us and that you have and are preparing us. And, and Lord, you will give us the strength we need and shine your light through us. So Lord, may we in this place, Lord, as, as we think about this, may we see us going out from this place and in 2015 bringing your light into all sorts of different places. For some of us, we're going to go back home to Chicago. May we bring God's light there. For some of us, we're going to travel this year to Mexico. May we bring God's light there. To Cuba, may we bring God's light there. God, we want to be candles. We want to be candles 
who you use to bring your light in the darkness. So call us, prepare us, strengthen us, and shine your light through us so that salvation may come to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction? Once again, following our service, there are going to be some folks from Hillside in the prayer room there. If you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with them, they'd be happy to meet with you. People of God, as you go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will go with each and every one of us. And may we know that our God is a God who works through us. And may we bring light into, God's darkness, into the darkness of this world, God's light, to the darkness of this world. Go in God's grace. Amen.